Welcome to the Inspiration Station. I'm your host, Corey Baker. Thank you for being here with me on episode number 12. Uh, last episode, we got to talk to my good friend, John Virtue, uh, who had a lot of really, really good things to say in terms of making music, staying creative, staying positive, uh, and working through writer's block as well. Um, and I was thinking uh, just yesterday, I think it was, uh, somebody had asked me how I deal with writer's block. And I started to think about it because I don't feel like I've necessarily found a real solution on dealing with it. Or maybe there really isn't a real solution. Um, but I do think there are two separate things that either you, you do or you don't do when confronted with writer's block. First thing is either you continue to work and push through it, uh, which a lot of times is very painful, but sometimes that works. Or sometimes if you're like me or if, you know, you could end up getting really frustrated and then just, you know, end up deleting all your work or, you know, whatever. Or you can take a break, step back, get a different perspective. Um, I think that's good too. I think it depends on what situation you're in. I think it depends on how many hours you've already put into the specific thing you're working on. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, you know, writer's block is really just, sometimes it just feels like a challenge to either continue to move forward with what you're doing or to stop with what you're doing. And, you know, it's kind of up to you what you want to do and how you want to move forward. But um, as frustrating as it is to continue to push forward, I think that's usually the best way to work through um, writer's block uh otherwise you know stepping out kind of taking a break and getting some inspiration from other places can be good uh but really you know writer's block just look at it as a challenge um and it also means that you're working towards something if you're experiencing writer's block like you don't get writer's block if you never write because then you're not a writer you know so uh i don't know i would just been thinking about that this uh this past week um, aside from that, one thing I really I wanted to talk about today, um, this is a documentary that I just watched this past week, and I've watched it, not even kidding, about three and a half times in the last like four or five days. Uh, but it's the documentary on the band The Eagles. Uh, it's on Netflix, just called The History of the Eagles. I think you can find it on DVD and all that. Um, but incredibly, incredibly inspiring documentary at least from where I'm coming from, from being a musician, from playing in bands before, and then, um, you know, writing music and playing in front of people. Just the whole the whole dynamics of their band and what they went through really, really, I mean, it's, it really has every piece to it. It really has every piece of, like, a rock and roll story that you would want. Like, has all the fame, it has the drugs, it has... The women has <laughs> the ups and downs of you know touring and and uh, and then also kind of all the back end stuff with like all the business stuff with David Geffen and um, some of the publishing stuff they had to go through. Uh, but it's a really, really incredible, incredible story and documentary. And it's a two part documentary. So the first half kind of starts all the way from the beginning with all the members, where they all came from, how they got together, to their rise, and then eventually tell their uh, their breakup in the late 80s. And, or no, it was, it was 1980. Was that? Yeah. 
Yeah, it was 1980s when they officially broke up. Then they got back together in 1994, and that's what the second half of the documentary is. So it's after um, Don Henley, who was one of the lead singers, and uh, Glenn Fry both had their solo careers um, in between that time that they were off, and then they get back together. And then when they end up doing shows, then it's bigger than ever because their music was played on the radio, you know, for those 14 years. The, all the music that was the way they were saying in the documentary is right around 1980 that was when the term classic rock um, on the radio was actually a thing and so all their music got played and played and played when they weren't even a band anymore so fast forward 14 years later when they get back together they're playing these huge sold-out shows in Madison Square Garden they go over to Europe do all these crazy crazy tours and crazy shows um, and it's it's just a really really good story just from start to finish lots of dynamics lots of different personalities um, lots of power struggles and it's also a really good it's just it's a really good like snapshot of that time in the early to late 70s and it seems like it was a really really cool time to just be alive and with all the music that was going on <clears throat> all the different things in the world it's very, very neat. Uh, so yeah, that documentary, I'm telling you, even if you're not an Eagles fan, because I necessarily, or wasn't necessarily one going into it, um, I mean, I've always liked the Eagles stuff, I've always liked Hotel California, and, you know, take it to the limit, take it easy, all that stuff is really good, but after watching this documentary, it really, really kind of, kind of opened my eyes to uh, to some different things. And one specific part that I found really, really inspiring and also very, very truthful, uh, there is a part in the documentary, and this is when they all, it's, it's when most of the Eagles were all living in L.A., kind of at the beginning of their career. Uh, Jackson Brown, who's a really amazing singer-songwriter, uh, was living right below Glenn Fry. Glenn was living up in this apartment, and then below that, where uh, Jackson was living, is it was like a cellar, or like this basement. It had no windows or anything. It just had, he has piano, guitar, a teapot, bed, some dishes. That was it. And um, Glenn was saying how, you know, at this time, he didn't really know how to write songs. And he said that he actually learned how to write songs from just living above Jackson Brown because most of the other Eagles guys, everybody was really, you know, everybody was sleeping in late, you know, partying and all that stuff. And um, Glenn said that he would hear Jackson's teapot go off at uh, 9 a.m. in the morning. So Jackson's teapot would go off and then Jackson would sit down to the piano and he would play a verse of a song on the piano for... You know, he'd play it 20, 50 times till he got it right. Then he'd pause for a minute, and, you know, Glenn is hearing all this, you know, from upstairs. So Glenn's upstairs just kind of listening to this happen. So Jackson Brown play, plays the verse like 20, 30 times, gets it, pauses. Glenn doesn't hear anything for a minute. Um, and then he'll hear Jackson play again, playing on the, playing the chorus. So he has a verse, and then he has a chorus. And then... Uh, Glenn said he wouldn't hear anything for like an hour. He would hear the teapot go off again, and then Jackson would have basically the entire song. 
So what Glenn said, he's like, you know, I never understood how to write songs until then, until living above Jackson Brown. And he said, oh, that's how it is. It's like, you know, elbow grease. It's like, it's not waiting for the inspiration. It's just putting in the time and working, working towards it. And I kind of think of it as like, it's kind of like sculpting um, to where you're kind of just starting with this big block this, which the big block may just be an idea, which may be a big idea, maybe a small idea, but regardless, you either have to build onto it or trim some stuff away to really like grind out your final piece, whatever it may be. Um, and I, I found that really interesting and inspiring because I think a lot of people have trouble finding inspiration because inspiration in itself seems like this big, like, firework event it's like oh i'm inspired i can do anything and sometimes it's like that but usually it's you don't get that inspiration unless you're you already got the like the wheel moving because a lot of times it's hard to get inspired when you're just looking at a plain you know piece of paper or a plain ableton session whatever it may be um, it can be very daunting to just start from zero but it's like the inspiration usually comes after you've already got stuff going or after you've already been put after you've already put in the time to sit there and work through it because um, that's usually what it is it's like you kind of got to wade through the water to get to you know the beach I don't, that's a really st I don't know if that makes sense uh, but you know what I mean I'm, I'm sure you know what I mean um, but I just thought that was a really good reminder of just that you know it's like it's hard work that's what you know, that's, that's what it takes to be good at most anything is hard work and time. Um, and if it's really what you love doing, then it's not necessarily going to feel like hard work all the time. Sometimes it will. I mean, it's not always going to be easy. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's like the, the more time you put into something, it can almost be harder to innovate, um, then because you you've been so focused on, doing things a certain way than that, the spontaneity and, um, the, the innovation of doing things differently. And, and maybe you're accustomed to because you've already figured out how things work to a certain extent. So, um, I find that with making music sometimes, um, just because I've gone about it a certain way for so long. And, um, I always, I've always kind of felt like certain techniques, um, don't always yield the same results and it's like you can do something once or twice and it might work perfectly and then after that it just kind of starts to get stale um, but that's the beauty of doing like art and almost with 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 any kind of art is that there's there's almost always room for innovation um, if it's not on a global scale then at least on a personal scale with how you as the artist is approaching something because, you know, most of us come at things in maybe one particular way or maybe this, you know, maybe you have these three different ways you kind of approach something. Um, and there's always different ways to approach things. There's always different ways to find inspiration, different ways to do things. But it can be hard to do, <laughs> to, to do those things if you've been stuck in your ways doing things a certain way. So History of the Eagles, go check it out on Netflix. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, there's another documentary that I just watched last night that was really, really inspiring, but I'm going to save that for another episode. Um, thanks again for listening, guys. Thanks for sharing this to all your friends. Um, right now, 
the Inspiration Station is only up on uh, or up on SoundCloud, and then you can subscribe on iTunes. I used to post these to my YouTube, but um, in the process of you know, with with me changing my name to Chill Harris, um, there's a lot of things that are kind of shifting around, and that's it's going to take time. It's going to take time, but it's going to be better in the long run. So I appreciate you all sticking with me and uh, being there for me because I'm here for you as well. So don't ever forget that. Stay inspired, guys. Uh, I'll talk to you next week. Bye.